0: But here's the deal. What we're doing today is we're finishing up a series that we started two weeks ago, okay? Two weeks ago, we started a series on what we believe, okay? Now, it's worth noting that, that this is not just what we believe as a fellowship. This is what we believe as a church. It's also what your pastor believes, okay? If you're gonna make a church your home, and many of you have, you need to know what they believe. You need to make sure that you're on the same page with them, okay? You know, not every church believes the same things, okay? And there are some things, that that we talked about two weeks ago that we're going to talk about today that we are absolutely, we believe in. These are the words of life. They come all from the Bible and it's exactly what we believe as an assembly of God church. It's what we believe here at Lighthouse Community Church. Okay, Now, a couple weeks ago we focused on the work of Jesus Christ and how he's our savior and, and how he's our baptizer and then at the close of that service we had two people baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's an awesome awesome day. Now today we're going to focus a little differently we're going to focus on on um on on jesus as our healer we're going to focus on what the church is you know guys the church is more than just a building it's more than just a bunch of us like you and me getting together it is uh it is a body of believers that has specific purpose okay and then we're also going to talk a little about a little bit about end time events You know what, guys, with everything you watch on the news, with everything that we've been seeing going on, all these storms, all of these earthquakes, thank you, babe, all these different things that are going on around this globe, you've got to start thinking about end time events, don't you? You got to start thinking that maybe some of these things are more than just coincidence because they are. Amen. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some end time events and and uh, and again I'm not I'm not going to scare you I'm just going to kind of tell you what the word of God has to say okay and then we'll let the Lord uh, touch you and minister to you and touch you in a very very special way okay. So today we finish up our series on what we believe. Let's pray and get started. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for an opportunity today, Lord God, to preach your word. I ask right now, God, that you would bless this presentation, that, God, you would anoint me. You would help me, Lord, to communicate what you've laid on my heart, to truly communicate, God, what we believe as men and women of God. Bless this sermon today in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, let's hop right into it. The next thing that we believe, in fact, uh, we actually believe 16 fundamental truths, and we made it through half of them, so we'll pick up on uh, number nine, and it is sanctification. We believe in sanctification. What in the world is sanctification? Sanctification is an act of separation from that which is evil and dedication unto God okay? The scriptures teach us a life of holiness without which no man will see the Lord. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we are able to obey the command found in 1 Peter chapter number 1, be ye holy for I am holy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, Paul kind of sums up sanctification in chapter number 12 verses 1 and 2, where where he encourages us Sanctification. Sanctification is no longer looking like the world, no longer acting like the world. I, 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 we believe in, in actually a twofold sanctification. We believe not only in just instantaneous sanctification, but we also believe in progressive sanctification. This morning in our Celebrate Recovery Sunday School class, uh, we were, uh, myself and, and a couple others, we were talking about the use of profanity, okay? And uh, Fabian shared that the moment he got saved, God helped him in that, and, and, and he, just, he, he just cleared it up. I mean, he, 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 you know, I'm not going to say he hadn't slipped a curse word since then, but I'm saying God helped him in that area, and it was instantaneous, okay? How many of you have seen God do some instantaneous works in your life, okay? Guys, in my life, 23 years ago when I got saved, okay, 23 years ago when I got saved, I haven't taken a sip of alcohol since. Now, prior to that, I drank enough for all of us, okay? But since the moment I asked Jesus to come into my life, I no longer had to self-medicate that hurt in my life, okay? Prior to that, I was a country boy, and, you know, country boys, they have that little ring in their back pocket and that stuff in their lip, okay? The moment I got saved, the moment I got saved, I, I, I stopped that for a little while, but then, like a dummy... I started doing it again, okay? And it really, believe it or not, Pastor Ronnie, you'll love this. It wasn't until the week I got asked to be a youth pastor that I realized around all these North Louisiana boys, this wouldn't be very good. So guys, that was something God set me free from, but it took a little longer. Now, why do I tell you those two stories? Because we believe that sanctification works in both those ways. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes those things that God delivers us instantaneous from, if he doesn't deliver somebody else instantaneous, we think they're not as spiritual as we are but that's not the case god is working on every one of us can i get an amen and the sanctification process is saying none of us have arrived we're all on this journey Okay, so how about instead of looking down on somebody and going, man, you got to get your act together. Why are you still struggling with that? Why don't we realize that we all have our struggles? Can I get a witness? And realize that we're all on the same journey heading toward where God wants us to be. So we believe in sanctification. We believe that sanctification is an act of separation. We're not supposed to be like the world. You know, we were, we were talking about profanity and in... in um, in Sunday school class, our Celebrate Recovery, and he was telling us how sometimes people who come to CR, they, they, they just kind of talk like that, okay? And, and Brother Donald shared he worked offshore for a bunch of years, and folks talk like that, and, and I coach, and folks talk like that, okay? And I said I'd never had a problem with, with, with sinners talking like that. Now I have a problem with Christians talking like that, okay? So guys, now look, I just want us to allow the Lord to sanctify us. Allow the Lord to help us get more like him. Sanctification is realized in the believer by recognizing his identification with Christ in his death and resurrection. And by faith reckoning daily upon the fact of that union. By offering every faculty continually to the dominion of the Holy Spirit spirit you know what guys as Pentecostals and we we are Pentecostals we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit it is not enough for us to be spirit filled we must also be spirit led amen guys we can't just say okay I'm full of the Holy Ghost that's enough no we have to be spirit led as well Because I've watched some Pentecostals act a fool before, okay? I've had them say some things that they ought not say. I've seen them do some things they ought not do. Guys, it's not enough to just be spirit-filled. We have to be spirit-led. Amen? Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2. Paul, again, talks about the importance of of sanctification when he says this. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. You've heard this before. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, sanctification is not a work that's up to you. It's a work that has already been accomplished by Christ Jesus. And you don't sanctify yourself God sanctifies you, okay? You don't have to work it out, okay? God works it out. So I want to challenge you today. If you're struggling in some area of your life, the answer is not discipline. The answer is not a bunch of of different things. The answer is a closer walk with Jesus. Amen? You know what, guys? Sanctification is an amazing process, and it's something that God's still doing in me, and he's still doing in you. Amen? let's let's help uh, let, let's watch him do some great things together but we believe in sanctification Now, if you look at our Constitution and bylaws, and again, these things are always available for you as members or or just members of our church. We have have one thing in here called the sacrament of marriage. It's not part of our fundamental truths, but with everything going on in the world today, it's something that we want to make sure everybody understood our stand. We believe in the uh, the sacrament and the sanctity of marriage. Marriage is always one man, one woman for life. Simple enough. Okay? Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what the government says. Doesn't matter what the government tries to mandate. We believe marriage was instituted by God. One man, one woman for life. Simple enough? Moving right along. Let's talk about the church. The church has a mission okay? The church is the body of Christ. The church is not a building. You know, many times we think a church is just a building. Oh, that's a pretty church, and this is a pretty church. Thank you, okay? But a church is so much more than a building. It's so much more than just pews. It is people. You and I make up The church, amen? The church is the body of Christ, the habitation of God through the Spirit, with divine appointments for the fulfillment of her great commission. Each believer born of the Spirit is an integral part of the church, now, when we say the church, we don't just mean Lighthouse Community Church. We mean the church. This coming Wednesday, we're getting together with the Ministerial Alliance. Why? Because the church is getting together. You know what, guys? So many times we, can, we get caught up on all the things that we disagree on. And I realize that every church has things a little differently. Nothing wrong with that. But guys, when we all believe in Jesus Christ, when all of us as churches believe that you are saved by faith through grace, that's something we can get on the same page with, okay? Oh, we may we may discuss doctrines on how you could run a church, on, on how the work of the Holy Spirit works in believers' lives. Oh, we could get hung up on that stuff. But guys, I don't know about you, but a lost and dying community doesn't need us arguing doctrine they need Jesus amen and so this coming Wednesday we're getting together as the church and I would love for you to join us going to be at the Morgan City Auditorium seven o'clock that night that's why we're canceling services because we believe in the church you know I've said this before I believe what God wants to do in this community is so much bigger than Lighthouse Community Church amen I believe that what God wants to do is so much bigger than just the assemblies of God. We need all of us on board. We need our Baptist brothers and sisters. We need our our Methodist brothers and sisters, our independent brothers and sisters. We even need our Catholic brothers and sisters who believe in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? So guys, let's not forget the church has a mission. So what is that mission of the church? Since God's purpose concerning man is to seek and save the lost, to be worshiped by man, and to build a body of believers in the image of his son, the priority reason for being of the assemblies of God as part of the church is one, to be an agency of God for evangelizing the world. Turn with me to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one, guys. Again, the purpose of the church is so much bigger than just Berwick, Louisiana. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, at the very beginning, Jesus was saying, This is bigger than just the Jewish thing. This is bigger than just Jerusalem. This is something for the entire world and he hasn't changed his mind since. Amen? What God wants to do here in Berwick is a big thing. He wants us to evangelize the world. Well, how in the world do we do that? Well, we start at home, <laughs> we start with our neighbor, we start with the people that we are closest to, but then we, we, we partner with others. Last week, we had a missionary come and join us, and he told about all the amazing things they're doing in the Philippines, and, and guys, you, through your generosity, we were able to bless him with a $1,000 offering. That's a blessing, amen? Give yourselves a hand for that. Remember, this is a country where he said the average person lives on what? A dollar a day? They live on a dollar a day. How far can a $1,000 go? Well, guys, I, I was excited that we were able to partner with him and, 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 and put our, our resources together. That's a way that we evangelize the world. Amen? At lunch, he was telling me about the possibilities of putting a group together. And he would love for us to try to bring some guys and and ladies even also to to go and help him. And, And that would be an amazing opportunity. But guys, that's part of the mission of the church. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to evangelize the world. We're supposed to fulfill the Great Commission. The second thing we're supposed to do as a church is to be a corporate body in which man can worship God. You know, you ever wonder why you come to church and we sing first? Well, there's a reason. That's part of our purpose. It's what we're supposed to do. Sometimes you think, well, maybe the preacher just needs, he can't fill that time. Come on now, okay? (laughs) I could fill all the time I need, okay? And if I needed some help, I'd pass it to this lady, and we all know she can talk, okay? (laughs) Those of you on Wednesday nights. but. By the way, by the way, I was in Raw Rangers on Wednesday night, and we're about to start bringing us your kids when we're done. Amen? Can I get a witness, Brother Rick? Okay? Because we were like, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay? <laughs> man, look, I can hang out with y'all all the time, but you put me in a room full of eight-year-olds, whew. Stop laughing, Seth. Stop laughing. Okay? Joshua, thank you for, for, for providing moral support for me. Okay? But, man, we're going to start bringing y'all y'all kids. Okay? <laughs> but part of, part of what the church is supposed to do is worship God. And worshiping God is so much more than just a song service. <clears throat> it is us doing what God created us to do. You know, guys, there's nothing greater than doing exactly what God created you to do. God created me to preach. God created me to minister. When I do that, I feel so fulfilled. One of the things he created you to do is worship him. So when you do it, doesn't matter what song we're being sung. Doesn't matter the, 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 the arrangement. Doesn't matter any of those things. When you truly worship God, you do what he created you to do. So we're called to evangelize the world. We're called to worship God. We're also called to be a channel for God's purpose to build a body of saints being perfected in the image of his son. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Here's part of what the church should be doing. And it's something that this church is doing once again. Ephesians chapter number 4. Start with verse number 11. 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming instead speaking the truth in love we will We will in all things grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Guys, we are a body of believers, okay? My job as your pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Can Chantel and I do everything? Not even close. We're human, just like you, okay? We, we don't have the energy we used to have, but God has equipped, has equipped us. God has equipped teachers in this church to, to teach you and to train you to do the work of the ministry. That's what the church is really all about, the church and its mission. Number 12, we believe in the ministry. A divinely called and scripturally ordained ministry has been provided by our Lord for the threefold threefold purpose of leading the church in evangelization, worship, and building a body of believers. You know what, guys? About a year ago, you guys elected me as pastor of your church. But you know what? You didn't call me. God did that 25 years ago. OK, and though I, I thank you for, for recognizing that call and, and I, I yield myself to you as your pastor and, and you're able to speak into my life, ultimately, I realize that it's God who called me here. Amen. And, and, and that's something that I can hang on to. Ronnie Foray knows the call of God on his life. Guys, it's one of the most important and precious things that every minister needs to have. Okay, the most important thing you better know that as your pastor, I'm called here. I thank you for inviting me here. I thank you for putting up with me at times. But God is the one who called me here. And we believe in the divinely called ministry. Now, here's something else that's pretty cool. God doesn't just call pastors and youth pastors. He calls people like you, Fabian. He calls people like you, Blaine. He calls each and every one of us to do something special. Seth, he calls you. He calls us to specific assignments, to specific roles in the church for such a time as this. Don't resist that call. Don't run from that call. Embrace that call because it's in the call of God where great fruitfulness will come. Amen? We believe it's God who calls people into the ministry. Alrighty, now let's talk about some end time events. Oh, I'm sorry, we're not quite there yet. This is good. This is, might be one of my favorites right here. We believe in divine healing. Amen? Divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Deliverance from sickness is provided for in the atonement and is the privilege of all believers. Say all believers. You see, guys, Divine healing is not just for your pastor and your wife. It's not just for Sister Eloise who prays a lot. No, no, it's for each and every one of us as believers. It's why a little earlier in the service we opened these altars up and we said, Do you need prayer? We believe in divine healing. Well, why do you believe that? (coughs) Because it's what the Bible says. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah chapter number 53. One of the best parts of, one of the greatest scriptures on healing I've ever heard. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, talking about Jesus. It says, surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Guys, that's talking about Jesus. It's talking about our Savior. Jesus is not only our Savior; He's also our healer. Amen. And so many times, guys, prayer for healing seems like our last resort when it should be our first default. Okay? When you start feeling bad, you 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 call the doctor and see if you can't get in. You see, how long will I have to wait? Can I go get a shot? How about instead of that being our first response, let our first response be prayer. Let our first response be, let me call somebody to pray for me. Let me call a friend. Let me call the church. Let me call the pastor. Let me call someone who will agree with me in prayer. You know, I heard a great quote by John G. Lake this week. My wife put it on, the, on Facebook, and it says this. John G. Lake was an amazing healing evangelist from, from yesteryear. He said, when I saw for the first time by the word of God that sickness was not the will of God, everything in my nature rose up to defeat the will of the devil. Guys, you got to realize that healing is for you. Healing is for us as believers. That is the will of God in our lives. Sickness is not the will of God. So we need to stand in faith believing that God can and still heal. Matthew chapter number 8. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter number 8. This is so good. Remember what we read in Isaiah? Here's the fulfillment of it in Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew 8 verses 16 and 17. It says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. You see, Jesus fulfilled what was spoken about in Isaiah. And you know what? 20 minutes ago in this service, when we were at the very front of this church, Jesus did it again. We believe in prayer. Don't forget about the power of prayer. God still is in the healing business. Can I get an amen? Now, let's get to some end time events. We believe in the blessed hope. The blessed hope is not that the saints would beat Carolina this afternoon. The blessed hope is not that the saints would get back to the Super Bowl Blame before you're an old man, okay? The blessed hope is the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the church. Wow, preacher, what does all that mean? Turn to First Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 Paul says it probably a little better than we wrote it up in the in the assemblies of God 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 verse number 16 He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord forever. That's the rapture of the church, guys. That is, uh, remember that amazing book series by Tim LaHaye? Uh, left behind that series it's talking about end time events it's talking about the blessed hope preacher do you really believe that that's going to happen yes I do why do you believe that because the book says it guys look if this book says it we believe it okay this is just not man's ideas this is just the us not coming up with some fairy tale to make you feel good Okay, this is what the word says. The word says that the end time events will begin with the rapture of the church. Now, some people place the rapture a little later in tribulation time. We don't believe that. We believe that the, first, the next event on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. The next thing that's going to happen is the the church, you and I, not just LCC Berwick, the church universal will be taken out of this world. Why? Because that starts a sequence of events that we're about to tell you about. That starts uh, some craziness going on here on this earth. But God did not appoint you and I as his sons and daughters to to endure that wrath. He says that he'll take us out of here first. It's the blessed hope. It's something to look forward to. It is the blessed hope. So what happens after the rapture? I'm glad you asked. It, it begins a sequence of events that, that leads us to the next point that we believe in, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. The millennial reign of Jesus Christ. You see, the second coming of Jesus includes the rapture of the saints that I just read about in 1 Thessalonians 4, which is our blessed hope, followed by the visible return of Christ with his saints to reign on earth for 1,000 years. Now, we believe there's about a seven-year period between the rapture of the church and the visible return of Jesus Christ at the Mount of Olives, okay? That's the tribulation time. The last three and a half years of that is called the Great Tribulation. If you think things are bad on earth now, phew, You don't want to be around during that time, honey, okay? You want to check out with us. You you want to have box seats for that one, okay? You want to see that from above. You don't want to endure that here on earth. The millennial reign of Christ is where Jesus will physically reign for a thousand years on this earth. Wow, preacher, you got to show me some scripture on that. I'm I'm not buying all of that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24, this is called the Great Olivet Prophecy. This is where Jesus was teaching on some of these end time events. And let's look at Matthew 24, starting with verse number 27. Verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. How many have seen lightning strike in the sky? We've seen that before. Okay. You can see it. It's a visible sign. The Bible says, rather, Jesus just said that his second coming will be just as visible. Just like you can see lightning, just like you can see your hand in front of your face right now, you will see Jesus return to this earth. And in verse number 30 says, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. All the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Alrighty, guys, so he comes. What is he coming to do? Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 19. What is he coming to do? Revelation chapter number 19. We're going to pick up reading in verse number 11, and most of our scriptures are now going to be found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True with justice he judges and he makes war his eyes are like blazing fire on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him which no one knows but he himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God the armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the wine of the fury of the wrath of God on his robe and on his thigh he has his name written king of kings and lord of lords guys that's what Jesus is coming back to do he's coming back with you and I as part of his army to bring judgment Not on this world, but on the devil, on the Antichrist, on the false prophet. That's what he comes to do. The millennial reign will bring the salvation. Oh, I'm sorry. I I forgot to read you Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 1 says, And I saw an angel coming down of a heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil, and bound him for a thousand years. You know what? I love the King James Version says, It shut him up for a thousand years. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I hear the accuser of the brethren get shut up. Okay. I mean, teachers in here just want to tell you class sometimes, shut up, okay? I've been there, I've done that, okay? But here's the deal. I can't wait to that day when our accuser, the evil one, gets shut up, amen? we Will bound him a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Continue reading. I saw thrones on which there were seated those who had been given authority to judge. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. I remember 20 years ago when I read that scripture, I was like, Blaine, I don't know if that's going to happen. We've seen videos of that happen, haven't we? Well, haven't things really sped up? Aren't we closer today to, to Jesus' coming than ever before? Why were they beheaded? Because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years guys what's your future priests with christ that's what we're supposed to be if we live our our faith if we are genuine believers in christ jesus we have a part in this in this thing amen It is the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ will bring the salvation of nation Israel, according to Ezekiel and Zephaniah, and the establishment of universal peace. Remember in Isaiah where it says the lion will lay with the lamb and and there's perfect peace. Can you imagine this world in perfect peace? No. But during Jesus' millennial reign, CNN will have nothing to talk about. Fox News will not have special reports from the latest war. No, no, no. It will be perfect peace. Why? Because the government is no longer established on man. It's established on Jesus. Amen? So what happens after this millennial reign of Christ? We believe that there will be a final judgment. There will be a final judgment in which the wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works. Whosoever is not found in the book of life, together with the devil and his angels, the beast and the false prophet will be uh, punished in everlasting punishment in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 20 says... But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophets who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped the image. The two of them were thrown alive into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Then continue reading in chapter number 20, verses 11 through 15. The Bible says, then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead as well that were in them. Each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You know, guys, if we stopped right there, there would be no hope for some of us, huh? But we don't just believe in a final judgment. We believe in a new heavens and a new earth. Revelation chapter number 21, and I close. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and we live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is good. Somebody can get excited. It's okay. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. I will be his God. He will be my son. What is the point for us to take away today? Be part of those that overcome. Be part of the ones that make it every day. Be part of the ones that keep living out your faith. When you fall down, get back up. Amen? When you get knocked down, get back up. Don't quit on God because he ain't going to quit on you. Amen? Be a part of that number that says, I will overcome. And then there's some more good news for you in Revelation 22. Sister Garland, would you begin playing? Then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of that city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city. His servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever And the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And the final verse I want to read to you is verse number 7. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Friends... This is what we believe. This is what we believe is the Assemblies of God. This is what we believe is LCC Berwick. This is what I believe is your pastor. And it's what you should believe as well. Not because I said it, but because it's the words of this book. Amen? You know, guys, I've met people that they said one thing and they did another. I thought I could believe them and I couldn't. You met anybody like that? But Jesus is somebody I've learned I can trust. For 23 years now, he's never let me down. Even at times when I let him down, even at times when I said, no, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. Joshua, he never let me down. He was always there waiting for me. He was always faithful. And you know what? Based upon that experience, based upon the experience of so many other believers who've gone on before me, I believe that when Jesus said, you're blessed if you keep the words of this book, I believe it's true. Amen? This is what we believe here at our church. The last phrase I read in the book of Revelation was verse number 7, where Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Does the thought of Jesus' return excite you or worry you? How you answer this question reveals a lot about your relationship with him. If you really know him, if you really have an intimate relationship with Jesus, the thought of his soon return should excite you. But if your relationship has grown stale or stagnant, or your church attendance is only religious ritual, you probably have reason for concern with the thought of Jesus' return.